Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the 100th Christian Financial Perspectives podcast. I finally made it, Sean. 100. I can't believe that. There's a lot of work in those first 99 podcasts. A whole lot of work. Hours and hours. And I realized as uh, as I'm going to get back in the saddle again, and I apologize to all my podcast listeners. I know we've pretty much been off all summer. But as I was building the podcast, this this one that we're going to be doing today, uh, Sean, I didn't realize how many hours I put into these things for this 30 or 40 minutes, it's like 10 hours that goes into that. So I'm going to have to get back in that mold again. It's kind of like a, a an artist painting, you know, a brand new piece of art on a piece of canvas. And you, you got to get into that mindset of creating. Make sense? Makes sense. We're just, we're just going to jump back on that bike. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get the balance back, figure out the steering, hopefully only crash a couple times, but we'll get there. And, 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 uh, you know, I'm excited now, you know, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be saying welcome to our 200th podcast, but we had so many good ones in the first 99 and, and yes, during this did. time, Mary Jo Lyons started with me and, and then she retired and I know her and Mike are having a great retirement down in Rockport and Bailey um, came in and helped me for a while and I miss her. She did, she was, did a great job on the podcast, but Things always get better, so I'm looking forward to you doing this with me. But in those first 99 podcasts, there were some really good ones in there. Absolutely, there were. So Jenna went through and came up with our top 10 podcast based on number of downloads and, and watches. So if anyone wants to be able to go back and listen to them, I'm going to be listing them here for you. We're also going to post this list on our website for the podcast, christianfinancialpodcast.com. So here they are, in no particular order though. Podcast number 66, which is our 20 money principles for 2020. I think it still applies for other years as well. Yeah, by the way, this is in the order of the most listened to, is what Jenna told me. Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, just kidding then. So uh, the next one, podcast number 79, creating a family legacy. Podcast number five, uh, oldie but a goodie, the 10 uses of money. Podcast number 74, Dealing with Fear and Uncertainty During COVID-19, which I do think would be very applicable for any time there's something going on, whether it's COVID-19 or not. That's right. Podcast number 21, Financial Scriptures to Live By. Podcast number 78, Husband and Wife Communication with Finances. That's a good one. Podcast number 82, are rental homes a good investment? See, and I thought that was going to be our number one podcast, but when she looked at the downloads, it wasn't. It was in but, the top 10. But it was in the top <laughs> 10. It is. And, uh, you know. Almost made know, top three. A lot of so good close. information in there. I think my realtors really love that one, or rental homes a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really not. <laughs> so Hey, we didn't say real estate in general. We were really mostly talking about rental homes. Mm-hmm. There, there's a... 
A lot of variation in real estate as an investment. Yeah, I remember getting in all the cost of owning a rental home. And that's after all that taxes, insurance, maintenance, and all We we might have to circle back on that one. I think think you've had a little bit of personal experience on how fun. Yeah, yeah, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I'm I'm kind of glutton for punishment when it comes to vacation (laughs) homes. So I don't have one right now, though. All right. Well, our, uh, our our last three, or our top three, if you will, podcast number 83 the life stages of financial planning. Podcast number one, what God's word says about money. It's always nice to see your first one is still in the top three. You know, it really is. And I, I think that's because, um, you know, Christians want to know what God's word says about money. Yeah. And they don't realize there's over 2,000 scriptures that talk about stewardship and, and how so we a few. handle so there's a few scriptures. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Exactly. Now, we don't cover all 2,000 in that one. We, we cover like the Top 50. Yeah, that's, that's good. Good to know. So you guys don't have to go through all 2,000. All right. And then our, our number one, uh, as of this recording, podcast number 80, Seven Keys to Significance and Finishing Well. So there you go. Those are, those are our top 10 podcasts. And so, Sean, it's time to, to start the 100th podcast now. Let's try and, to make this one in the top 10, Bob. And I, I think <laughs> I... I I think it will be because it has so much to do with where we are now. But where you are now, you've got to look back. Mm -hmm. So today is going to be a history lesson on economic booms and bust. Does that make sense? Yeah. Things that rise and things that go back down. And I think this is is very timely for all the different markets that we're seeing right now and and what is happening, Mm -hmm. especially real estate. You know, our listeners are all over the nation, but I I heard, what was it? Rachel was telling me the other day, she was reading an article up in, uh, I think it was Idaho, where real estate prices have risen something like 70 or 80% in the last year. Yeah, I think think it was Idaho. Or one of those up there. But anyway, it's crazy. It it, it wasn't necessarily the state you would think as having a, a huge boom but but again it's california california i don't <laughs> i don't know that they must have piled everybody up in california now they're, now they're moving back across well the not nation. even just california but a lot of a lot of states have been have been seeing influxes of people and i think a big part of it is you can look at it as positive or negative depending on on which side of it you are but with covid and the pandemic we, then more and more people working from home that's true and so that's basically opened it up for if you have a job that is still going to be work from home as an option, then it kind of opens up where you live. You don't necessarily have to live within driving distance. You can live of the anywhere office. you want to. Yeah, yeah. You just got to have good internet. <laughs> but, but gosh, we've had such a such a boom in real estate, and of course, stocks. That the same thing, and it just seems like all the different asset classes are becoming overinflated, meaning that we could be approaching a bubble. I'm not saying we're in one, but we could be. Yeah. And boy, when they burst, they're not. They're, it's not a pretty picture. But Sean, I, I know there's a scripture I love, and I'm going to have you, you go over this with us, that really has to do with booms and bust and, and different, it, it, there's, it's not always going to be bad. It's not always going to be good. You know, we're going to go back and forth. Yeah. That's one of my, one of my favorite passages, actually. There's a time for everything. So this is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 7. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. And a time for the scripture right now. To be over. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting is I was using this exact same scripture last year when everything was down so much. And now everything is up so much, it's another good scripture to go back and look at because life is so full of ups and downs and, and nothing is going to continue to go straight up without eventually taking a breather and resetting. Just like when it's down, you know, you got to look up. But when you're when you're way up on the peak, you kind of kind of need to look down and say, okay, how high have I gotten up? You know, am I getting in a danger zone? And even if we're not in a, a bubble, a right. true bubble that might burst, yeah, the thing that you can see looking back in history and and looking back at the prices, not just in the stock market but in many asset classes, is that there are normal market cycles. So. If you hear someone say, well, there's no way it's going to go down. Things are going to continue to go up. It just shows a clear misunderstanding of how markets actually work. There are always periods of, of growth, periods of pullback. Sometimes, which we're going to be documenting in this podcast, but sometimes you have a lot of unsupported growth. And depending on the situation, that's what can really turn into a true bubble and a bust. I know you have a favorite saying I hear you say around here about history. Yeah, the, the old saying that those that do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But from my experience, it seems a more accurate phrase might be for us is, what we learn from history is that most people do not learn from history. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so they just... they. they they think it's different this time, right? Everybody, well, not everybody, in general, yeah. people seem to think, well, this is different. How? Uh, we already know that if you don't learn from history, you're going to it. repeat it. Exactly. So you need, you need to learn from, it. you know, and Sean, I, I have a saying right now with, with the way the, the real estate market is just so high up and it's gone up so much in, in the markets. And you've heard me say this around here. Well, and, and, and you'll hear people saying, well, man, this kind of thing has to take a breather. I'll say, listen, you, gotta, you need to understand something. So here's my quote. Markets can stay irrational a lot longer than a rational person can stay rational. Agreed. I mean, it will go way beyond what a rational person would ever think it would go beyond. So even if you do, you think gosh, we got to take a breather. I mean, mark, real estate in some areas of the country are, are up 80%, other areas up over 30. I mean, as an average, it's up over 20. Well, it's got to take a breather. Not necessarily, you know, it, it may it may go like this for another year or two. Who knows? And a lot of it has so much to do with interest rates. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I was putting together, and, you know, I was looking at these mathematical formulas and, and looking at a a. $400,000 home today, if you finance it at 3%, if interest rates just go up 2% and you were to have to finance it at 5 to equal that same payment, you'd get it 3% for $400,000. you got to lower the price to three hundred and sixteen or No, it was $314,000. You'd have to lower that price from $400,000 wow. all the way down to $314,000 if interest rates went up just by 2%. 
to wow. give the same payment. And people don't buy homes today with cash. They, they buy them based Most on payment. Most people don't. Yeah. 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 Exactly. At least, especially when you're talking about individual family homes, most most people are not in a situation where they can buy cash. So you're absolutely right that it'll it'll affect the buying power of of the market if interest rates change that even just that much. So what we're going to do today is we're we're going to look at five examples of historical booms and bust, and we're going to start way back though. We're going to go. I mean, we're going to go back thousands of years. I'm going to look at the Roman Empire, and I want to see, you know, what can we learn from the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? We, we all know about that from our history books, um, and, you know, what were the causes? So what caused Rome to, to rise, and then what caused it to fall? This is going to be a little bit different than our present-day examples, though, but it's still, they'll fall, a lot of the same things fall along the same lines. Bob said, we'll start with the rise and fall of Rome. There were technological advances that helped the rise of Rome. Yeah. Number one were roads. Roman roads were the most advanced roads in the ancient world at that time. It enabled the Roman Empire to expand over 1.7 million square miles at the pinnacle of its power to stay connected. They included such modern seeming inventions as mile markers and drainage. Over 50,000 miles of road were built by 200 BC, and several are still in use today. That's amazing that, that they've been around that long. So that was a new technology back then. So that yeah. would come along with the technological advancement, building roads the proper way, yeah. and where there were all weather roads. That was, mm -hmm. as I was doing this uh, research, that, that was a big, big deal. Yeah. That they weren't getting bogged down in just mud. Yeah, and it drastically increased the travel capacity of, of those roads because, you know, if you have a dirt road, I mean, anyone out there who, even in our modern cars, if you're driving on a really nicely paved, like brand new stretch of road, and you turn off onto that dirt road to go see your friend in the country, has anyone else noticed a difference that it's a little bit rougher and you got to go a little bit slower on that dirt road? <laughs> So there was so. The, the, the other huge te technological advancement that helped with the rise of, of Rome was... The concrete. Yeah, so concrete. So Roman cement and concrete are a big part of the reason ancient buildings like the Colosseum and the Roman Forum are still standing strong today. I was and, going to try to go see that last year, and we had all these reservations to go across, and then COVID came along, and Rachel was not happy. No, no, she was not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Rachel, if you're listening to the episode right now, it, it's been there for a while, and it'll still she, be there a little still bit. Still be there, exactly. <laughs> so uh, another another uh, technological advancement was in water. So Roman aqueducts first developed in 312 BC enabled the rise of cities by transporting water to urban areas, improving public health and sanitation. Some Roman aqueducts transported water as much as 60 miles from their original source. This, this enabled that city to really grow, you know, to, to grow in size. And, you know, when you pull that many people together, you have a lot of commerce going on. Yeah, an interesting parallel with that is, you know, Los Angeles, it, there's not enough water for that city. And they actually have water coming from far hundreds away, miles. hundreds of miles yeah, away. through the aqueducts. That's so, right. But the Romans did it first as far as doing it well. <laughs> so another one is uh, in architecture. Roman arches or segmented arches improved upon earlier arches to build stronger bridges and buildings, evenly distributing the weight throughout the structure. 
which you should definitely Google that. There's some really cool uh, videos on the arches and, and how that changed. And of course, the last one, strong military. Rome's military conquests led directly to its cultural growth as a society, as the Romans benefited greatly from contact with such advanced cultures as the Greeks. There was so much of that that played into the, the rise of Rome. Then along came the fall. We've all heard about the fall of Rome. And um, when I was doing my research, these are some of the reasons I found that happened and caused that fall. And as you're listening to this, think about where we are today in America. Do you see some of this? Number one was big government and overspending. They got they got too big for their britches. <laughs> I mean, bottom line, yeah. they, they just got too big. And because of that, oppressive taxation of the wealthy sound a little bit like today. So far, you're two for two, I think. But and but they got so oppressive, it caused people to leave the country. Uh, overexpansion, just just getting too big. Government corruption. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we don't have any of that. Yeah, not at all. Political instability. Look at how the, the fragmentation we have in our country today. Disregard for human life. Just the coliseums and, and you had all the, the, the gladiators. You had the the yeah. slave trade. I mean, they're just. There's and, a lot. <laughs> and, and then what played into that was immorality, sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting. When I, when I found this one, I said, gosh, that sounds a lot like today. A mass migration of people into the country from other countries, into the empire from other countries. And they had a weakened military. Their, their military started becoming weak. So I don't know, Sean, does this sound at all like, a little bit like today? Now, I'm not. we're not saying... The fall of America is coming next year. No, not no. at all. We're just, but, but you, I'm just you did hit that, on a lot of there's similarities. A lot of similarities. I see yeah. a lot of similarities in there, and and so that's really looking back a long way, way back in history. But it was the technology uh, that helped them to grow so mm-hmm. much because that technology was not you know there yet. This has come all the way forward, and let's look now at just the last hundred years. You know, one, one, one thing, though, Bob, that's that just one point I wanted to make on that. It's really interesting, though, with all of the technological advancements and advantages that, that Rome had that contributed to its, orig- its original rise, and yet the fall of it, when, when you look at pretty much everything you, you mentioned, it's really all from within mm, at its mm-hmm. core. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Oh, this just one country rose up and was able to completely demolish Rome, or there was some catastrophe. It was mostly a fall from within. Yeah, it was. It was. And I, I think it's. I think it's natural, though. You know, we go back to it. There's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. A time to get to grow up, and then a time to you know to to rebuild. So that's going to bring us to the last hundred years, and and we're going to look at some examples that have been very recent. But we're going to look at a hundred years ago, exactly a hundred years ago. So the Roaring Twenties, yes. and, and and yeah, it is is very interesting that we're talking about this uh, effectively exactly one hundred years later. Yeah. So in the Roaring Twenties, we had technological progress again. We had, technology. Yep, we had the assembly line, mass production of goods, uh, the start of of automation. We had the electrification of America, going from candlelight only, to, really, to and gas to most homes and businesses in America having access to electricity and industry. You know, in mm-hmm. industry exactly uh, the rise of the automobile, making us much more mobile and efficient. 
you know, able to get from kind of like the work from home idea, you mm-hmm. know, it, the size and growth of cities and the, the job force when everyone's commuting by walking or by carriage, there's only so far and so much growth you can have. And you introduce the automobile that changes things. Yeah. And that really caused a rise in the twenties. I mean, yeah. And uh, when I was doing my research, it was, on this, affordable. It was saying, uh, that, you know, people could live 30 miles out of this outside the city. Yeah. And, 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 and go to work, which would have been realistically uh, unrealistic. It wouldn't have been possible before then. So another one, uh, new mass marketing techniques. They got people to buy more products and services, basically the rise of modern consumerism. Yes. Yep. Uh, cheap credit by the banking system with unwise and fearless lending. Yeah. They went crazy. Just get, you know, here's the money, go do it. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't sound at all like today. (laughs) No, it doesn't sound like today at all. So uh, another one, a major stock market boom full of speculation. And uh, the last one, a major rise in gambling and corruption. Yeah. So these were so many things that played into it. And the Roaring Twenties, as we know, was just, it was thought of as so great that it was called that, the Roaring Twenties. And really, no one ever thought this would come to an end. But that reckless spending and borrowing and speculation, eventually that bubble did burst and it, you know it nearly did it overnight and then we know what came after that it was the roaring 20s and then it was the great depression it was the great of depression the of the 1930s so you know again if if this sounds like today you know m- maybe it does but but remember like i said in the beginning you know this thing can go a whole lot longer before this bubble breaks i mean it could go another 50 years yeah but i i don't think we're not going to go another 50 years before we have some Re, some you know, pullback pullback yeah. in the markets and stuff but but i just don't want people thinking oh no bob's preaching doomsday no, no i'm not no I'm, but i'm i'm showing you you history and you know just like the 1920s where they had all this technological process i mean not technological progress mm-hmm. um we've had that same thing we've had enormous technological progress in the last yeah. 10 years and you know, remember you were pointing out new mass marketing techniques yeah. and you know back then it Modern was magazines and newspapers and uh, billboards coming out what you know we've had that same thing happen in the last 10 to 15 years we've had major mass marketing uh, thrown at us through the form of social media the internet entertainment Netflix TV I mean you notice now you'll watch a movie and they're advertising a product yeah and they I've hear yeah. they pay. Yeah, they pay to have that done. So yeah, it's, it's it's the 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 advertising has has become part of the medium itself. You know, yeah. the the actual you know the movie you're watching or the TV show you're watching, and many times it it's it just seems so natural you don't even think about it. But like people would would see a movie or something and like oh there was Coca Cola sitting on the exactly. on the desk yeah. you know or there was a there was Dri- an Apple or a Dell computer or, or they're driving a certain know, kind of car certain right? kind of car all and, that and it's plays they're not even it. advertising it but it's like you have that psychology of people seeing they actually are advertising that, that's exactly yeah. but it's not overt is yeah. what I mean exactly so. and, and you know in, in the 1920s we were, you were talking about cheap credit well today we've got artificially low interest rates to stimulate the economy and they're artificially yeah. low they cannot continue with this it's like it's like candy you can't eat <laughs> everything you kids can't cannot continue to eat candy you got to have some substance mm-hmm. and in huge amounts of consumers that have been given money 
by our government to buy goods and services and even stocks. You, you hear these stimulus checks are going to buying stocks, pushing that market up. So, yeah. so that's that's the 1920s. Now let's get to some more recent examples. Like that was, you know, we went a thousand years ago. We yeah, went let's years ago. Ten to thirty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when this is for, you know, forty years, yeah. and then we're going to bring it right up to the last. 10 years or so. Yep. And uh, for this one, we're going to we're gonna go to another country. Yeah, exactly. So we had Rome and the United States. So now we're going to jump over to Japan in the 1980s. So Japan had a huge industrial expansion. In the 80s, Japanese automobiles virtually took over the world. I remember uh, we wanted a Honda Accord really bad. And so we, you had to wait. You would go order it, and you would have to wait like 12 weeks and we did. We wanted one. So we went and ordered and we waited and waited and it finally came in. And I mean, it was just a huge rise in the yeah. 80s. And that was a really good thing for Japan. I mean, it was yeah. pushing them, you know, pushing their, yeah. their, their I mean, country they were up. they were exporting goods. They weren't just importing. They weren't yeah. just consuming. So another one was easy credit by mm -hmm. the banking system, Here we just go like in the 1920s in America, which made for enormous expansion. Yes. A lar large financial speculation by businesses and investors. I, I feel like every time we start going through these, there's so many they, the that same sound thing like, wait, over. are we, uh, did I, did I jump to the wrong spot? Am I talking about Rome now? Or am yeah. I talking about America in the twenties? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's the same thing over and over. Um, another one, a, a roaring Japanese stock market went to all time highs. Mm -hmm. And the final one, a real estate boom sounds familiar of such magnitude in housing that Japanese families were taking out multi-generational mortgage loans to pay for housing. Now, is that insane? That's, that's crazy. See, that's why this real estate could keep going. I mean, we could get to the point that the home, it, homes are so high, we do like Japan, and we start doing multi-generational mortgage loans. Which just sounds insane. Yeah, it, it is. But then what happened? It all busted again. You know, does this sound anything like what could be happening today? Except we've not burst yet. And right. I don't want us to believe me. I don't. I'm. I do not want that to happen. Yeah. But you know, things like easy credit, large amounts of speculation, and a roaring stock market at all time highs. It's just you see this stuff over yeah. and over. Well, you know, we've essentially been in a quantitative easing phase for so long, mm -hmm. and and continuing to lower interest rates, continuing to they can't go to just make now. things easier, <laughs> right? But but really, what what we need, you know, we need some quantitative tightening. We need we need to take control before it goes to 20 plus percent inflation. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, we heard a couple of weeks ago, inflation is only 2%. I'm like, what world are you living in? Yeah. But then this morning it just came out that it's actually eight or 9%. Hmm. Oh. So and if I, if I'm doing my math right, Bob, maybe you can double check it for me. But, uh, eight, percent is more than two percent right about yeah know, yeah four hundred percent more. yeah, yeah. okay exactly. okay and all of us know you just go fill up your your gas tank at the car or you go to the grocery store i've been hearing our clients that you know a lot of our clients are retired and they're on a fixed income and they're just like yeah. i cannot believe how much food is going up and they were well and, about and gas too like i i don't know about uh depending on where our listeners are, are calling in from but at least here in central texas you know, we've had pretty much even premium, like the 93 level, you know, uh, octane for the fuel was at most maybe $3 or under. And it's been that way for a while. And now you're seeing the only 
gas you can get that's under three dollars a gallon and pretty still pretty close to it is the cheapo stuff you know the 89 hey that's stuff i use or 87 <laughs> which one yeah i know but rachel's car is a is a german car we got to put that the good stuff yeah. in it that's so, just something for for yeah. even the cat most casual person can yeah. kind of see uh i remember that was cheaper not that yeah. long ago yep so now we're getting to basically the last 20 years and Let's look at the late 1990s, and that was called the Internet Bubble. And this was where we had the growth of the Internet, and it, it just created this huge buzz among investors that poured billions of dollars into Internet startup. Okay, yeah. Think of startup. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And by the way, not not all of them made it. I mean, there, there were some. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of uh, Google, but, you know, they've they're still around. Can you think but, of any buzz like that today? Could it be someone said called the Bitcoin? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, you know, the, it, what, what are we up to? Four thousand something or however many different uh, cryptocurrencies. It's, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And you know, but and back then these companies they were able to raise enough money to go public, and they had no business plan. They really didn't have much of a product or a track record of any profit. There was enormous speculation that. Every new tech company, okay, we say every new Bitcoin today, that every yeah. new tech company would eventually make money regardless of experience, net earnings, or real profits. And when, you know, all this capital dried up, many of these companies, they just completely folded mm -hmm. and, and burst. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's a great comparison to, to compare it to the cryptocurrencies. You know, but Bitcoin, of course, is the most popular because I, right. be, I believe it was the first or at least it was the first one to really right. become a household name but it, it it just seems like there's a new cryptocurrency every week oh they were just talking at, about at it yesterday point. yeah yeah and and guess what just based on the laws of averages and statistics i, I have a feeling most of them won't be around 10 years from now it's, so, but it's not to say that I, I, I mean the cryptocurrency i think is here to stay oh absolutely I, yeah I, I, I do believe but that. not all of them Right. Are necessarily going to well, just it. like the internet was here to stay. So, mm -hmm. so now we go to our most recent example of a of a bubble and a burst. And by the way, that burst from the ninety nine two thousand that burst took us six or seven years to recover. Yeah, just to get back to where we were, and then we had this happen: the two thousand and eight real estate and stock market bubble. Mm -hmm. Oh man, this is a. Uh... This is hitting a little closer to home, Bob. This wasn't yeah. that long ago. Did you come home with me in 2008? Yep. My, yeah, so uh, my, my first year. year with you was 2008. So that was a, um, for, for those who can't see me, I'm using air quotes, fun time to uh, to get started in the investment management. <laughs> yeah. yes. it, was, it was a little crazy. And, and, so, and just like today, what caused that? Well, loose credit for anyone wanting to buy a home, regardless of having an income or job. Isn't that amazing? The, the that idea that it is everyone's right to be able to own a home. Yeah. And as much as I would love for everyone to own a home, there's responsibility that comes with that. You need to be able to actually afford the home. That was what was so unique about then. Now, today, you do have to have a job and yeah. income. Yeah. It's just that it, there's the credit, again, we're it's back that in that so same thing because it's, it's so cheap. Yeah. And we just had, we had unprecedented growth in the subprime mortgage market. Yep. And then we also had the U.S. government-sponsored mortgage lenders like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to make home loans accessible to borrowers with no or low credit scores, resulting in higher risk of defaulting on these loans. Yes, yep. We also had uh, financial firms selling subprime loans to large commercial investors in pools of mortgages 
known known as mortgage-backed securities, or MBS, on Wall Street. That's what pushed the markets up so much. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the final one was banks lending loosely to developers and home builders to develop massive subdivisions and build homes for thousands of borrowers that can never afford to make even one to two mortgage payments. Isn't that crazy? Which the tech boom, you know, the internet boom, kind of the same thing. It's like, well, we're going to invest in this because it'll come. Like, well, what's the business plan? Who Who is actually going to buy this? Oh, no, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> and then we were all caught by surprise. <gasps> what happened? Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> for those who aren't aware, uh, 2008, we, we had a, a fairly significant crash yes, in the markets, yeah. both house, real well, estate took, and it, stock. It took five years for the market to rebound back to where it was. Wow. Five years. Now, remember... The market was where it was in 2000. It dropped, and then it came back to where it was in 2000 and about 2007 and 2008. Mm -hmm. It was just back to where it was in 2000. Then it yeah. dropped again yeah. and didn't come back to where it was in 2008 and year 2000 mm -hmm. until 2013. People don't realize because they they forget yeah. that if you'd have just invested in the S&P 500 minus dividends— you're you're basically had the same price for 13 years, which is crazy. So when you think that you know you're making 10 percent on average a year, no, you were not, yeah. not during that time, not during that time, right? And so now, it takes us to today. We're at 13 years now past that 2008 bubble, and you know, so many of these bubbles that we were pointing out over the last hundred years, they were they were based around loose credit. And over-speculation. Remember those two words, loose credit and over-speculation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, COVID, it, it's just been such a bad thing, but it's created a huge pent-up demand for almost everything. We've never seen yeah. people respond like this. And these artificially low interest rates are causing, like I said in the very beginning of the, of the podcast, an abnormal rise in home prices. And some places as much as 80% over the last year, but the norm is, is 20% plus. And that's not normal. Real estate will normally just stay with inflation. Right. So it's way, way beyond inflation. And then the other one, of course, is the stock market speculation. It, we're at all-time highs with thousands, if not millions, of inexperienced buyers Purchasing companies with no real net earnings, uh, you know, take for example the rise of, of Robinhood as as a trading app, and they're they're not the only one. We're not picking on Robinhood, but when all of a sudden your technology changes and you have people who are working from home, people who are maybe unemployed, but they're receiving payments, you know, and and it they're they're bored and they're like, well, I'll just I'll play this. I got some I got some play money, a thousand dollars here, a thousand dollars there, and I'll just buy whatever the app told me might be a good buy. And they're speculating on companies that have no real net earnings, and they've never seen a downturn. Right. Exactly. So that's the, the scary part of it. Yeah. And another one is, you know, consumerism, which, again, I think we've talked about that multiple yep, times. In the so but consumerism, we're at all-time highs because, for many, it's, it's a temporary fix to raise their self-esteem after being just so down and, and shut in from COVID, which – and we've also seen a rise in – uh, people reaching out for counseling, people suffering from depression, like mm -hmm. the medication. And, yeah. and it, it, I mean, it makes sense. People are, people have been hurting, but for many, they're turning to consumerism. 
it just seems like there's all this this COVID and and all this government giving unemployment and and I, I mean I was just with a business owner yesterday. He says I I can't hire people because yeah. I I can't compete. And I heard not just from him yesterday, but I heard the same thing with a big lumber company that lives down the not live not live. Yeah. They're they're down the road from us. Yeah. that has multiple locations across Texas, um, saying that kind of the break even point is around eighteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, to complete against what unemployment's been giving. So, right. so yeah, this has really created a buying frenzy for almost everything from new cars to buying stocks online to new homes to new second homes with all the, the, the artificially low interest rates. Online shopping has become, you know, it's at new highs because the apps make it so easy to just sit, spend it, spend it, spend it. And, and Sean, it's just getting crazy. And I, I don't know how long this can continue. Like I said, yeah, a whole lot longer than a, a rational person can stay rational. Well, well, Bob, at this point, we've covered a lot. So yeah, we have. I, I guess it's really only, the one, end only one thing for me to ask you. So, Bob, are we in a stock market and housing bubble? And in your opinion, that is about to burst. Well, I'm not going to give you that true opinion then over on a podcast, okay? Because there's, <laughs> there's a lot, there's many opinions uh, about being at the tops of markets as well as at the bottoms. And honestly, Sean, no one really knows. Really, no one knows. I, I, I know that the programs like CNBC, they've got their bear market guys and they got their bull market guys. And when it gets real bad for a few days, they go grab the bear market guys and pull them on because, you know, they're media. So wait, I just, wait, so I you're just, saying the entertainment companies that pretend that, to be news don't necessarily know for sure what's going to happen? No, no one does knows that. And I just, I just know this. There's always, and I want you all to really hear me on this, there's always a common mentality level during every bubble that I've ever seen that is different this time. This thing's not going to break. You know, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going. And from my years of experience, people are going to continue to buy and buy and buy into a bubble until it finally burst. Yeah. So it has to take that. And I, I just don't know how much, you know, it, this thing could go a whole lot longer. I, I have a great chart I've been referring to for many years, though, and you know I, I'm always talking about that. It's called the emotions and cycles chart. Yeah. We're going to put this um, on our website for Christian Financial Podcast so you can see this. I'll have Jenna put this up. Yeah. You've heard me refer to it. If you've listened to a lot of my podcasts, you've heard me refer to this many times over and over. And I can tell you, if you look at that chart, we are at the buy, buy, buy right now. It's, 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 it's a frenzy. It's like no matter what the price is. And I'm really seeing that. Uh, in, in real estate, but it's a it's an interesting chart. And yeah, it's, I, I it's would, very interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, um, as Bob said, we're we're definitely going to make sure that we put this. It'll be on the episode uh, webpage, so w w the page on our website just for this episode. So you'll be able to listen, read the transcript, as well as you can access this chart. And I would definitely encourage you to look at it. Which kind of reminds me, Bob, for people in general, they'll continue to buy all the way until it actually a bubble burst. But what I always love, and you've said this before, as as very contrarian investor, you buy when no one else wants to touch it. You sell and move more to cash when everybody wants it. And uh, probably the most famously known person for that is Warren Buffett. Yes. As, yeah. as soon as it's almost like a here's your here's your insight, maybe an insider tip for lack of a better term. But when you hear Warren Buffett is buying such and such industry. Maybe, maybe we're starting to turn around. Like, it's no guarantee, but well, like, maybe it, he's seeing something. <laughs> hey, what's so interesting? It's to me is always on these programs, and you've heard me say this around here. Um, 
you ever notice that when we have a bust, all of a sudden they go find the people that have money and they're great, they're great investors like the Warren Buffett. He always has money to put in. And I'm like, okay, so when did he get all this money? Could he have been selling silently when nobody <laughs> else, you know, everybody's buying? So the good investors like that, who are contrarian investors, they're selling at the very tops. So they're not they're they're not voicing it. They're not telling everybody yeah. about it. And then when the bottoms come along or when these markets really drop, they have the the money to do it. You know, Sean, as we talk about these these market bubbles and bursts and we look at history though, I, I wanna tell you the true answer to all this, and we're gonna go into this next week, is what the Bible says and how to handle these booms and bursts. Um, you know, I, I call them bulls and bears as well. And, and we started today's podcast with that scripture from Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. And I, I believe we should enjoy these good times and also be ready and wise for the, the difficult ones. And from experience I've seen in either the good or bad times, it's hard for many people to realize that, that neither the good or the bad times are going to last forever. Right, and there's many biblical guidelines for all this. So on our next podcast, we're gonna it's gonna be called biblical guidelines, you know, for booms and bust. And in the meantime, I would, you know, invite everybody stay alert and cautious as a fox. We we live out in the countries, you know, we have these fox come up, and you ought to see them, man. They're looking around, they're staying cautious. And a fox in the wilderness, he he doesn't want to get taken out. He's looking for something else to take out. So I just really invite all of you until we do our next podcast you know get into god's word it says so much yeah. about that and read that scripture about yeah. a time for everything or or maybe a different way to look at it be if you're going to be anything be cautiously optimistic it doesn't mean you have to be all doom and gloom think right. everything's going to drop not but just, preaching that at all but but don't don't look at this as oh this time is going to be different this time it's going to keep going because it probably won't if we've learned anything from history. So as always, if, if you have any questions, feel free to call us uh, at 830-609-6986, or you can visit us on the web at christianfinancialadvisors.com and christianfinancialpodcast.com. Well, that was fun today, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. We're back in the saddle again. So the podcast will be coming out. I've already got my next 10 or 11 lined up, ready to come out. So, All right, we'll see you guys next time on Podcast 101. All right. <laughs> That's all for now. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit christianfinancialadvisors.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA Christian Financial Advisors, also known as Christian Financial Advisors Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional. While Christian Investment Advisors believes the information to be accurate and reliable, we do not claim or have responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or reliability.